Morning, all. Welcome to our service this morning. If you are new with us this morning, this is, as I think John said, Alyssa said, this is our fourth week. We've spent most of the month of November really focused on missions, our Send Me Global Outreach Experience, talking about what it means to answer the call. You saw in that opening, just brief video, you know, that verse that's really been the theme uh, for us over the course of this month. I think it's John chapter 20, where Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, because this is the gospel, we know this, God sent his son into the world um, and to die for our sins, to show us the way in his life and to die uh, and to be a, a, a sacrifice for our sins in his death. As the Father hath sent me, in a manner of speaking, in a real way, I, Jesus said to his first disciples, I am now sending you, right, into that world 2,000 years ago, and that has been the mission of the church, the call of the church ever since. We are called, of course, to know Christ as Savior, to experience the love and grace of God, as many of us here have done. But then we are called, just like the original disciples, to go near and far, whether that's in your neighborhood or across the world, to share the gospel in various ways. As the Father hath sent me, so he, Jesus, is sending us. So we thought we'd use this last a Sunday morning, instead of hearing a sermon, uh, to really talk to some of our partners, our missionary partners, who have said yes uh, to the call of missions in different places and at different times as really an inspiration. So this isn't just to be wowed by these uh, four friends, but really the point is to be an inspiration to me, to be an inspiration to us as we, in today, Think about where God is calling us to serve, how God is calling us to serve. So let me just briefly introduce these four friends. Some of you know them, some of you don't. Corey Garrett and his wife, who is not here, um, Katie, they have been missionaries with us in Senegal, West Africa. Alyssa just said uh, a shout out to our, some of our other partners in Senegal, West Africa. They have been with us for 22 years. They've been missionaries for 22 years. I think, believe uh, they met at Wheaton College, uh, eventually got married. Somewhere along the way, they had five children, uh, and uh, they uh, raised them largely in Senegal. But doing world, mostly work in rural Senegal, it's a, a Muslim country among the Wolof people, doing both both a Bible work, sharing the gospel, but also doing work in development with, uh, in, in, in one area in central Senegal for 22 years. But then more recently, Corey has been involved in Bible translation and taking um, the Bible, putting it in either Roman script or Arabic script, almost looks like a Quran, you know, kind of a thing, and doing Bible uh, verse, books in the New Testament, but ultimately the entire Bible which is, believe it or not, on a, a phone now, even in all places in the world, including in, in Senegal. So that's the work he's been doing over the last few years. Grateful to have him here this morning. Andy and Jan Ott, who have been missionaries with us for about 30 years, and uh, their parents, actually Andy's parents, were missionaries with Browncroft, um, Becky and... Um, and Willis, right, for many, many years. So they have a long history with Browncroft. Work with Wycliffe, Bible translators. So not too, too different from what I last said about Corey's last piece. And Wycliffe's work, if you know them, is they've been one of the strongest, long-serving missionaries, uh, organizations in, 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 in missions in this country anyway, uh, in the UK, for many generations, translating, sharing the Bible, bringing the Bible into new languages uh, all over the world. So Andy uh, and Jan have been involved in that for, for Browncroft for 22 years, I think? No, 20, 
Browncroft has been involved. Browncroft has been involved with us for 29 years. 29 years. We so. joined 30 years ago. Okay, 30 years ago. So, but more recently, they've been doing mainly recruitment work. They may talk a little bit about that, recruiting people, helping to send people like you and me a short-term, maybe even long-term work. More to say about that. And then this man to my right, uh, Fred Farouk, who has been with us for about 14 years. Fred is um, Iranian background, but, so he's Iranian background, that's his, that's his, uh, his roots, but he grew up here in, Gre in, in Greece, Greece, Arcadia, a Rochester uh, born and bred man, but came to know Christ and has been serving now with Elam Fellowship, uh, him and his wife Annette, who's not here this morning, but they've done it in a number of places. They've been in Albania, they've been in Crete, they spent a season in New York City working among uh, a Muslim background people and doing a lot of work sharing the gospel and uh, we're grateful. About 14 years? Yeah. Been with Browncroft, great. Awesome. So they will say more about themselves, but I want to do a quick introduction. But the first question I want to ask, so we'll, we're going to have some fun or not. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But let me, let me just ask this question. We've been talking about, John mentioned this, saying yes. Now, to me, saying yes to uh, the Lord sending us to serve, to share with your neighbors, to be a missionary, it's, it's not one yes. It's many, many yeses over the course of your life. But Matt, I might say to you guys, when was the first time that you said yes or some of you, uh, first felt ca called by God to say yes. Maybe I'll start with you, Fred. Amen. Well, uh, I think we all want to just thank you guys for your support of missions. And uh, as Pastor Rob mentioned, uh, part of the Iranian-American community in Rochester grew up here. Uh, we were part of the Islamic Center of Rochester, so we attended mosque. And um, my long story short is when I, went, when I got to be 19, I read the Bible and discovered Jesus Christ in there, and uh, I became a Christian. And some, some believers said, you know, now that you're a Christian, you need to have devotions, pray, read the Bible. And in one occasion, reading the Bible, uh, it was probably in the early days of Genesis uh, chapter 3, where I was reading, and this is after Adam and Eve have eaten the fruit, and they've gotten you know, punished, and the snake is reduced to eating dirt and crawling on his belly. And there's a verse in there in Genesis 3.23 where God says uh, to Adam that he is going to be sent out of the garden to cultivate the ground from which he is taken. And somehow the Lord impressed on me that that verse was going to be very important to me and that I was taken from the Muslim ground and I had to cultivate that ground. So it was like a call of God came to me and, uh, and I tried to pursue that call as well as with my wife, Annette. And, uh, and that's kind of helped make help in decision making because you're pursuing a call of God to cultivate for the Lord. Amen. Amen. How about you, Corey? Can you think of anything? When's the first time you said yes? Good morning, everybody. Uh, my uh, call story was very uh, kind of like a very specific moment. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home and everything, and uh, we were actually at church one Sunday, and a missionary was speaking, uh, and I was a 13-year-old boy, so I was doing what 13-year-old boys do during service, which was scribbling on the pew card and uh, not paying any attention whatsoever. And I heard a voice in my head that said, hey, why don't you do that? And so in my 13-year-old way, I thought about it and said yes, and uh, so that kind of became the, the guiding, uh, you know, compass point of my life. Um, Katie, on the other hand, I'll tell her story very briefly. It wasn't one moment. It was just a series of events over a long period of time that led her just to get invo involved and in, in, into world mission, and so when we met, we were both headed to uh, the mission world, let's say. 
And uh, so I like to put those two stories next to, next to each other because it can be just a gradual sense that God is calling you to somebody, something, but it can also be like a moment in time. And you know, it's a question I, I, I can ask any of you guys, but I'll ask you since you're talking, Corey, when you think about saying yes, many people do have a moment first you talk about 13 you may sometimes people say well you know I was in college I know you uh, you you and your wife met in in college and then maybe got a little more focused and serious you know maybe you go to a conference and you say yes something like this Um, but would you say um, when you think about the last 22 years um, have you had to continually say yes um, a lot and what's that experience like Yes. Uh, a lot of times the saying yes is like hanging on with your fingernails to the edge of a cliff, that kind of saying yes. I'm you're holding on. Of course, you know, it, yes, the, all the cliches are, are there. God is holding you up. It's, he's walking with you on the sand. But you are really like engaging those fingernails at the same time. So, yes, it, it is, a, it is a, an emotional thing to keep going back sometimes in some of these hard places that you don't see as much fruit as you'd like to see. Yeah. Amen. Andy, Jan? Well, I um, had a conversation with God when I was 12 about uh, this, and you know, he called me. He says, I want you to be a missionary. And I said, well, I don't think I've got what it takes to be a translator like Dad. And I, don't think, uh, I didn't think I had what it took to be a church planter like New Tribes missionaries around us. And he says, well, well what, how would you like to serve me? I said, I'd like to be a missionary pilot. He said, you go in that direction, and I will guide you. And so I was headed towards missionary aviation, and you know, from 12 years old, I made my, you know, made my plans, and and it was awesome to see how God did direct in all this, um, and ended up in missionary aviation for a term, you know, a couple of terms in Peru, and then He changed our course again, had another fairly uh, audible conversation with God about that, and He. Uh, turned us into uh, recruitment, and Amen. so that was. Did you, ever get, uh, did you ever get up in an airplane? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Good. All right, so you got a few stories to tell. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, but you know, you mentioned that uh, whole thing about um, you know saying yes over and over, and but there's so many times when we're also saying yes, I want to be, you know, sign me up again, you know. So there's yeah. there's an awful lot of those things too um, along the way. Amen. Well, for me, um, I, it, it was after I went, uh, I graduated from college. I, I got saved while I was in college. When I went home, I went to a new church. And while I was there, I guess there was a sermon that, was, that the pastor uh, gave. And I just felt a stirring in my heart to go to the altar. And it wasn't like go into the mission field. It's basically, I felt like he was saying, I want you to be in full-time Christian service. So I really didn't know what that meant, but I said, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do. And around that time, I had met Andy. No, I met Andy a little later than that. But I went, our church was having a, 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 a trip to Honduras. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll go and check this out, still not knowing really much about missions at all. But while I was there, I got to observe what the missionaries, how they lived, what they did, the challenges they went through, and it was it was hard. It was it was hard there, but I did feel like that God was saying, "Jan, you can do this." And so when I got back home, I told Andy, and he was really happy about that because we had just started seeing each other, and um, I knew he was going to the to the mission field. And so I thought, "Okay, here we go." So. Amen. Amen. 
So let's, let's dive a little deeper into uh, the waters here um, and just ask you guys this question. Uh, what is one of the greatest spiritual lessons or truths you've learned in this last season of your ministry? You know, 22, 30, how many years total? I know we've been 14 with Browncroft. Yeah, about, about 30. 30, okay, so you've got a lot of years. What's one of the greatest spiritual lessons or truths you've learned in this season of your ministry? I'll begin with you. Uh, Corey, if you don't mind. Yeah, the the spiritual lesson of this last season, uh, as we were talking about yesterday, is kind of the spiritual lesson of our whole uh, career and in some ways our whole lives is to be more sure of God and less sure of ourselves. Uh, you know, we're 25 years old when we go out to the mission field for the first time, and we kind of think, well, basically Senegal is just waiting for Corey and Katie to arrive, and the people group movement is going to start. Uh, yes, there have been missionaries there for many decades, but not like this, you know, and so th that was really our attitude. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but the hubris was there and the humility was not there. And so, you know, over time, especially this last season, kind of seeing what we had set our course on and and being disappointed that God didn't do that, but then seeing finally kind of like almost like God saying, thanks for catching up here to what we're actually doing, seeing other things that he was doing that we were totally ignoring, and then that turned out to be some of the best things that happened during our ministry. So, you know, just having a humility about ourselves, our plans, our intelligence, our, you know, ministry strategy, and being, but at the same time, being more sure of God. Uh, so that's in a Amen. nutshell. Amen. Andy, Jan? Well, in recruitment, um, uh, we face a lot of disappointment because we think we find some people that seem so talented, so um, equipped, and uh, seem to be heading that direction and then end up with a relationship or a job offer that distracts them and they end up not going. And you just think they just walked away from the call of God. And I guess the, the biggest uh, ministry, uh, thing I've learned is I'm not to be the judge. I'm just supposed to share the opportunities, invite people to come and, and join uh, in what God is doing, and let him take care of the rest. Amen. Amen. And for me, uh, I, I just want to say God is so faithful. He loves to give good gifts to his children, and he will go to all different lengths to, to do that. I'm, I'm finding that more and more, that he loves his children, and and. and there was a time just recently that um, we were taking care of my uh, in-laws in our home, and that was my main ministry at that time. And then after, after um, they passed, um, I had this nudging in my heart. This the Holy Spirit was was doing something in me, saying, I, "I want you to do something else now. That I've got something else for you." And so I was just saying, "Okay, Lord, what it is?" And I kept praying and asking and having other people pray with me. And, and then sure enough, he gave me the desire of my heart. He dropped something right into my lap, but, but I did have to pursue it. I didn't just like wait around and just wait for him to do something. But he did bring a, a, a ministry within Wycliffe for me to be involved with that just fit my skill set and my passions and everything perfectly. So our God is so faithful and he wants to give. You just give your life to him 
and he will give many gifts to you. And um, I'm just very thankful that I have something that's fulfilling and it's still part of the work and uh, it's, it's furthering the gospel. So, You know, listening, you showed me a little bit of that story yesterday, but speaking of a spiritual lesson or truth, two, two verses just came when I was listening to you. Um, you know, I think it's in Isaiah that talks about waiting on the Lord. And what I hear you say, you know, you and Andy did this together. You, you mentioned some time with your in-laws at the end of their life. And you were at a place, maybe some of us are at times, to say, you know, I don't feel like I have anything to do. You know, what's my role? What's my call in this season? And one of the great lessons you, you shared with me is that you got to wait on the Lord. And, and sometimes God brings things um, you didn't see coming at all. And then you find yourself, um, and there's the other verse I thought of, Ephesians 2, you know, God prepares good works for us in advance to do. So that's a great lesson for all of us. You know, we may feel like we finished something or we've never started something, but we're at a place in our lives and say, what now, Lord? And we need to wait and we need to know that God has a good work for us to do. Amen. Fred, how about you? Amen. Um, I guess the lesson I'm taking away from our current ministry, which is going uh, to many countries and we're equipping primarily young people that want to be involved in ministry to Muslims. And my lesson and my observation is that missions is working and God is working. And uh, we go from many countries, uh, places like Romania, Latin America, Africa, East Asia, and uh, young people, they want to go out into the mission field. And so it is uh, tremendously encouraging to see kind of, uh, you know, there's one way of thinking, here I am, send me. Another way is, here we are, Lord, send us. And everyone, uh, kind of like Andy was saying, you might not be the pilot, but you might be the mechanic, or yeah. uh, you might be the translator, or you might be the uh, editor, you know. So everyone can have a part to play, and really God is moving, and we're in a, in a time of harvest. So it is very heartwarming. Amen. Well, let me begin with you, Fred, with the next question, which is, in what ways has your life um, become richer because of your service? And the reason I ask that question is sometimes, even as Corey was answering the last question about, you know, hanging on by your fingernails, and there is some of that in not only in missionary service and being a Christian and being a parent, you know, this is the nature of life, but it is also true in answering the call to God. We see that in the, in the, in the scriptures for a lot of the great characters in the Bible. But um, I think another reason we ought to think about saying yes is because of the joy um, there is. I mean, this is not all um, hard knocks. And I think um, I would say, you know, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So when you think about, I don't know if there's something, you know, what, what, what has, um, in what ways has your life become richer because of your answer of saying yes to missions? Amen. Um, you know, I, I wasn't planning on uh, saying this, but when I was driving over this morning, yesterday we came over and I took 104. Uh, this morning I came over on 490, and I remember the old 490-590 interchange, how it, it, you, you had to merge uh, in a very short time. And I thought, you know, this is kind of like missions. You, you have to be patient but act quickly. You had to be alert uh, but not, you know, uh, overly jumpy. And, uh, and I thought, you know, being flexible is, is kind of uh, what missions is about. And, and in our case, for my wife and I, uh, seeing how God is working around the world is tremendously, tremendously enriching. Yeah. 
So we're we're thankful and we're we're encouraged by that. So we're enriched. So tell me real quick, Cyprus, uh, um, uh, Albania, New York City. What did I miss? Where else have you guys been? Yeah. Well, we're some missionaries. They spend their whole life in one country, right. like you know, uh, like uh, Amy Carmichael, or, 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 or Corey or, yeah. uh, and Katie. Yep. Example. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we're in an itinerant ministry where we're going to. We've been to about forty-nine countries. Wow. Uh, so it's uh, almost, you know, every continent except Australia. Yeah. Um, and so just seeing people saying, yes, Lord, we answer the call. And many of these countries, for example, Latin America, um, just a generation ago or two, they were the, uh, the receiving countries that would receive missionaries. But now they're sending missionaries. Yeah. So uh, this is, uh, you know, tremendously encouraging. And, yeah. you know, we get to Try all different kinds of food and and uh, languages and all that kind of thing. It's wonderful. So, yeah, it's wow, great. Andy, uh, Jan, how's your life been richer because of your service? Well, well, I've got to say that God has proven Himself to be faithful to provide, protect, um, heal, you know, all these different things, and give such purpose to living and and service. It's. Um, He's proven himself over and over and over again, and we serve an awesome God. And just like I say, I, it makes you want to sign up all over again. That's great. Yeah, and just to see the, the beauty of the body working together, we have a support base that helps us to, to keep going, you know, to help pay, pay the bills and everything. And it's just we have never been without anything because we were totally supported by individuals and churches and um, it's just amazing just to see how God has provided over the years um, for our, our basic needs and um, he just he's truly faithful so. yeah you know just want to again punctuate Jan that great lesson I've learned it in my life uh, um, that it's all about faith you know saying yes small ways but it's it's you know God's God says, um, I'll meet you there. You know, when I think he says to the disciples, there's this one, you know, when he says, you know, when you open your mouth, almost I'll put the words there. No, it doesn't always work even exactly that way, but the concept is when you and I do that, right? Share with our neighbor, share with our friend, you know, take whatever steps we are taking to say yes, even the, even the small yeses, to see God show up in your life, to meet you, that's, there's a beautiful thing about that. That's, to me, I think what I'm hearing you say, is what one of the beautiful benefits of, of serving God is to, um, to experience God's uh, presence and his power in those ways because that's what he, he loves to do. Yeah. It surprises you when he does it. It's not, he doesn't always provide way far in advance. That's right. It may be just you just take one step yeah. and he meets you at yeah. the next step. And that's just so exciting and so, yeah. so wonderful as being a Christian to see him work in those ways. Amen. Uh, definitely for us, I, I can say, being out where no Christian has ever been and being deeply involved in communities that are just chock full of people who literally do not know a single Christian, have never heard about Jesus, has been um, a, a wonderful thing for us when I'm walking in those you know, uh, sandy streets, it just is an amazing feeling to be the first one. Um, but then to actually see some of these people, and not many, but we've seen a few of these lives completely turned upside down. Um, 
going from completely opposed to the gospel to telling people about Jesus and what he's done in their lives. One very brief example is a guy that we worked with for years. And, you know, he, uh, after his siblings went to a Christian camp that we put on, after they went to school the next day, collected all the shirts that had the name of Jesus on them, the little T-shirts that we'd given out at camp, and burned them behind the house so nobody in the neighborhood would know that his, his siblings had gone to this Christian camp. And then seeing him have a personal, I mean, it wasn't through, like, I'm studying the Bible with him, and he says, oh, I get it now. No, he was dealing with the Lord directly, and the Lord touched him in a very direct, personal way and very private way. It wasn't like all the missionaries are surrounding him. No. God got a hold of him despite himself. And then seeing him, who's so ashamed of the name of Jesus, then go out and be evangelizing his classmates at his, he was at a tertiary school, evangelizing his classmates. And now he's actually working with a, an evangelical mission in Senegal, reaching out to a village that's just a few kilometers from his home village. And uh, actually, Browncroft uh, supports this young man uh, as well. So, but seeing him go from zero to a hundred, you know, seeing that over a space of several years has been just amazing. Now, there's other examples of that, but you know, when you're working, you're just like teaching, teaching, teaching. When are they going to get it? And then finally, when somebody, when the Holy Spirit strikes like lightning, they're like, "Oh, this is what we're doing. We're yeah. waiting." Hmm. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, build off of that, and you, you kind of answered my next question in not only a richer experience, how has your life become richer, but what's a most um, treasured memory, a treasured experience when you think about, in your case, 22 years? So let me move off of that as he talks about this, this man who went from zero to 100, or as you say, became a Christian and then even evangelist in this country. Andy or Jan, can you think of a a most treasured memory or that you would say in your now 30 plus years of ministry? Yeah, treasured memories are always the, uh, the uh, New Testament or scripture celebrations. Um, and the most significant one is the one that my parents uh, were involved with back in uh, 1980, 81. Um, you know, when they completed it, it was printed and then they had the uh, celebration in San Ignacio and and uh, the people were, um, you know, getting the scriptures. And what country? This was in Bolivia. Bolivia. Yeah. And uh, you know, even even the the Catholic church, uh, Catholic priest was excited to have it read in Ignaciano, so the people could understand what Jesus was trying to tell them. I mean, that was uh, answer to prayer. And and uh, so those are, you know, every celebration of the of of the dedication of scripture has been uh, uh, powerful. I've been to one other one where it was in, in the community where they were receiving it, but then we've also had celebrations at um, the home office in Orlando and, and at JARS. And uh, you know, each time it's those, uh, those reminders of what, uh, why we do what we do and we get reports from the field of the celebrations and you know, Thinking of one, a friend of mine was grew up in, uh, with his parents doing the Karafe uh, New Testament, and they celebrated. They danced for seven days when they received the scriptures. Mm. I mean, this was a people that was really grateful for mm. the good news coming to them. Amen. Wow. In the language of their heart. Beautiful. 
Anything you want to add, Fred? Treasured memory or, or Jan? No. Well, I have something that's yeah. I had a very very hard thing that I guess you can say is is a treasured memory because you can see how God took care of you. We lived in a village setting for a month with no running water and no electricity and lots of bugs and mosquitoes and everything. And so it was it was very difficult. But our son was there with us. He was three years old. He got to play with the little Indian boys and teach them how to play with cars and and they taught him how to use bows and arrows and we took our dog there you know it's just a, a memory that I'll never forget mm. you know and uh, there's several things that that are revol revolve around that but when the airplane led us there and took off and I knew we were going to be there for a month that was that was hard <laughs> because I'm I'm not a I didn't grow up in the mission field like my husband did and no. I grew up in the city and but God met me there. He met he met our needs, mm. and um, mm. yeah, it was it was a it's it's a treasured memory. But it was it was a hard one. But it's yeah. it's good to we have to go through hard things to see God really working. You know. Amen. Amen. So. Amen. Well, that I would imagine that that gave you an inspiration or grew your faith for bigger things down the road. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Amen. For sure. Fred. Yeah. Speaking of treasured memories. Um, we, uh, Browncroft kind of became part of our family culture. Uh, we lived uh, on the island of Cyprus where we were involved with the Middle East uh, satellite TV gospel, uh, the first Arabic language satellite TV outreach. And this was during the days right before the year 2000 when we didn't know if, you know, the... Uh, Y2K? The, Y2K, yeah. fill up the bathtub Anybody with water. remember that? Hopefully not. Yeah. Right, I don't yeah. know. The young people are all leaving. I don't know why, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. So, uh, well, our mission board, the way it worked in those days, it's changed now. But in those days, whatever money came in in offerings, you know, minus withholding and taxes, came to the missionaries the next month. So now it's it's uh, it's tapered. It's a different situation. So. Browncroft in those days was our biggest supporting church, and Browncroft dispersed the money quarterly. So th that third month that the Browncroft money would come in was a, was a, a good month financially. You're going out we, to dinner that time. Yeah, 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 well, it was more with, we have five kids, and they were young, and, and they would be like, say, in the, looking at a toy or something, and they would say, is this a Browncroft month? <laughs> so uh, for the kids, that became part of the family uh, I know, love that. Yeah, idiom. I love Is this a Browncroft month? Yeah. So, you know, you brought yeah. a lot of joy to missionary yeah, kids. Uh, <laughs> I'm I sure. love that. I love that. Um, so we're almost out of time. Let, let me ask you, you don't have to answer this question because I have two questions and I only have a few three minutes, but I didn't ask this uh, before in, yesterday and we were talking, but do you have a, um, a hero? And you can, if you don't have one, it's fine. Now, your hero might be my grandmother, my father, my mother might be. But the reason I ask that question is um, one of the things we'd love to inspire uh, people to do, uh, uh, big kids like me, I mean, adults and children, is to um, be in, there's a great literature of missionary heroes. We, I think we were, some, one of us were talking about Ed and I am Judson. Some people don't even know that name, or Hudson Taylor. There are many names, but... Do you have, if you don't have a hero, it's fine, but let's start with you, Corey. Do you have a hero in missions? Uh, take, the, take the other guys first. Go, Fred. Uh, I'd say Samuel Zwemer, known as the Apostle to Islam. You can find his books, Z-W-E-M-E-R, okay. Samuel Zwemer. Well, I, I thought of three, actually. Uh, you cover May. for the rest of us. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie May, um, uh, George Cowan, and... Um, uh, David Cummings. These were all different presidents of, of Wycliffe at uh, different times, but each man 
was an innovator and just see, looking and seeing yeah. what, what is God bringing around in the, in the culture that can be used in, uh, in Bible translation. But these were all three men of prayer as well. Yeah. They, were, they were giants in the faith, uh, giants in prayer. Well, you know, it's interesting. If, if I were to answer, now I thought of the question, so I have a little more t- lead time. But um, I, I read twice the biography of George Mueller when you said prayer, who was um, a missionary in Bristol, England, for many, many, many years in the 19th century. Well known. Uh, there's a statue of him there. But he he started um, his missionary his mission field was orphans, and he started a series of orphan homes over the course of decades, and it was the most powerful story about prayer uh, over the course of a lifetime. All right, so, drum roll please, our final question. This is really, they're gonna speak to you guys, and that is, what advice can you give us, both here in this room, listening online, about taking a next step in saying yes? Anybody? Well, I would say, start with a prayer of submission, uh, saying God, I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do. I don't know what that might be, but I trust you. And, uh, and then go to the pastor, go to the missions committee and ask, is there something that, that you can do uh, that the church would like to see you do as a discipleship or, or something to pre- make sure that you're prepared to go? Perspectives on the World Christian Movement is a great... Yeah, we uh, have that coming up in January, course. I think. Yes. Yep. Um, start giving to missions. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, start praying for missionaries and mission organizations. Amen. You know, all these things really get your heart um, set on, the, on these different things. And, uh, and then start taking an inventory of, of your own skills, your passions, your, uh, your background. Um, you know, what languages do you speak? You know, all these different things. And see how they could be used um, and ask different organizations how can how can they use these things amen anybody else we don't have to all go around i'd say get involved locally start serving where you are yeah. don't wait till you're like you have the ideal mission position to start you know uh, the role that you want on the field to start serving start serving there's many many opportunities here in amen. rochester where you can do that and also piggybacking off what you said about perspectives fantastic and uh, keep studying the Bible in a structured way. Um, Amen. And there are many resources out there. I can certainly give you some, but keep studying the Bible in a structured way, going, going deeper into, into the Bible. Uh, do me a favor and give these guys a hand, will you, for being up here this morning?